Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your special guest host, Vivia Chen. I'm also the writer of the Unfiltered column. I'm here with you today because we need to talk about Amy. Amy Chua, that is. I know what you're saying. Not that woman again. For God's sake, she's everywhere these days. She's been profiled in the New York Times, the New Yorker, Slate, and now this podcast. Well, stay with me, okay? Because today, you're going to hear directly from Amy Chua. That's right, the tiger mom herself. And you betcha, I'm going to ask her all sorts of fun, sticky questions. Chua, of course, is also a Yale Law professor, but she's probably largely known for her best-selling book, Battle Hymn of the Tiger Mother, which documented her extreme parenting techniques. I actually read the book, and I thought it was hysterically funny. But maybe that was just me. Most people I know are horrified by her draconian parenting style and just have a visceral dislike for her. For a few years, though, believe it or not, Chua was quiet. But then in 2018, she came out with an op-ed in Wall Street Journal that supported Brett Kavanaugh for the Supreme Court. And again, all hell broke loose. As you might remember, Chua defended Kavanaugh as an advocate for women. This was when Kavanaugh was facing charges for sexually assaulting Christine Blasey Ford when both of them were teenagers. Then last year, Chua made headlines again when Yale suspended her husband, Jed Rubenfeld, also a professor there, after he was accused of sexually harassing several of his female students, accusations which he denies. So that brings us to the latest Amy Chua flare-up. This March, several Yale Law students marched into the dean's office to accuse Chua of hosting dinner parties with federal judges and students at her home, which apparently was a violation of an agreement she made with Yale in 2019 that limited her social contact. She was fighting the accusations, plus she claims that she was unjustly dumped by the law school from teaching Yale's famous small group class. Now, I know all this is a little bit confusing, So let's just call it simply Tiger Mom versus Yale Law School. With all this going on, I spoke to Chua recently with the goal of trying to answer this question. Why do so many people hate you? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I mean, I I ask myself all the time. Um, I really thought this time I was, you know, I was like, wow, you know, I've, things are all back to normal. You know, it'd been a, a great March and I'd had a really good year with really two fantastic classes and strong reviews. And I was thinking no controversies. Um, so I, I think it's probably a combination of things. Um, it's probably a combination of my outgoing, you know, sometimes unfiltered personality that you, you kind of see in the, the tiger mom book. Um, Mm -hmm. and part of it has to do with, you know, my, uh, coming out in support of uh, then Brett Kavanaugh in the summer mm-hmm. of 2018 um, right. when he was first nominated. And that was really a hot button issue and very, very intense um, 
time, and I think a lot of people were very upset at me at that time, and under, you know, I, I understand that. I think part of it is also wrapped up with all the stuff going on with my husband's Title IX stuff, which, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I feel like has nothing to do with me, but it's it's kind of just, it's, it's, it's there. I think part of it also is, um, I, I think this part might be the most, I, I don't know, sort of frustrating for me, you know, this um, idea that I help a lot of people, uh, especially people from more marginalized backgrounds, get uh, judicial clerkships. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's really interesting. Um, I There are at least a half a dozen other faculty who wield as much or much more influence than I do, you know, who place many more people. Um, and at, at Yale. Yes, at Yale. And, you know, they, it just seems like, it's, I don't know why I'm always singled out, especially since I was kind of asked to do this by the prior dean about 10 years ago because we had such terrible numbers with women and first-generation professionals and minorities. So I remember there was one year, it was just seemed to be all white males, and the former dean twisted my arm and said, we need to get these numbers up. Can you, you know, trans, you know, can you help? And I just threw myself into, into this, um, and it was really very time-consuming, and I was mm. very proud of my numbers. And, I, you know, even to this day, I, I think I, um, I mean, other faculty mentor, of course, these groups too, but I definitely, um, even in this last cycle, mentored, you know, helped a disproportionate number of people of color um, and people from, you know, non-traditional backgrounds. And I always wonder why am I singled out? Like I'm, I'm not doing anything differently from at least, you know, uh, you know, other faculty members. So, so that's uh, another piece of it. And um, I, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe it's my outspoken public persona. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I definitely don't know. I, I, I ask myself that all the time. I just kind of want to honestly just kind of want to just hole up and write my books. You know, that's all I really want to do. <laughs> Are you going to write a book about this or something? No. Oh my gosh, no. Some people undoubtedly believe that Shua has brought all this negative attention, all this agitate on herself, both as a result of her actions and her continued willingness, some would say eagerness really, to engage with the media. But people of color, and myself included, also wonder whether, you know, her ethnicity and gender might play a part in the way she's been harshly treated and perceived. Now, I have to say, for Chua, that's a more complicated proposition. You know, I have to tell you, Vivia, for I have never felt um, this, this sort of subject of racism or sexism at the law, Yale Law School before. I've been here since <laughs> 2000 and what, 2001, and I have never experienced anything like that. I have been very conscious of being a woman of color, um, and but it was all my own personal insecurity. I've, I've been, I've always from day one felt like an outsider. Oh, I can't quite speak in the same way as these people. I'm not quite part of the inside group. I, I don't really look like everybody here. I have my own teaching style, you know, um, I have a strange field of law and development that I'm in. I've just, I've always definitely felt on the outs, but never because of the fault of the institution or any of my colleagues. I've always been incredibly grateful to them. And, um, and you know, I also write 
against identity politics. My book, Political mm-hmm. Tribalism, is I, it's, I've never been somebody um, that has focused on that, um, sometimes to other people's frustration. I think part of it is this kind of uh, immigrant mentality that I talk about in the you know, that comes forward in the Tiger Mom book where, mm-hmm. you know, when I was little, my dad and mom were always, stop complaining, never blame anything else <laughs> but yourself. It's always you. Just work harder, hard work and overcome everything. And, well, I, we all in my family experienced discrimination and bullying here and then. The, you know, I was always taught, don't focus on that. Just work harder, you know. So so I've never really focused on those issues. Um, but this Gosh, you know, I mean, it's so late in my career, but for the first time in my life, um, you know, I, I do wonder if those things played a role. Clearly, Chua is undergoing a change in perspective. I asked her, what led to this? So many of my students, you know, have been saying, repeating to me this term implicit bias. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think something like that might really be operating. Um, mm. I know that I tweeted something intemperately, like I, I, I don't think this would have happened to anybody else. And I really do kind of feel that way. I just, when I, when I imagine this, um, first of all, the ridiculousness of the allegations, I mean, that I had dinner parties during COVID with federal judges. It was just, you know, I, for, for like everybody else, I was in a mask in, in like, pajamas and sweatpants for a year, you know, mm-hmm. wearing the same thing every day, uh, using gloves and, and who would, who would be involved with these dinner? It's just so crazy. And I feel like when I told the Dean that on the zoom call, I think anybody else would have been believed. I said, that's ridiculous. Of course not. Absolutely not. And instead of being believed, she just kept asking me the same question. Oh, so you're saying mm-hmm. no federal judges, no, you know, drinking parties with students. And, and I really, did feel kind of like this reversion to being, uh, you know, the only Asian kid in Indiana you know, when I was four or five years old. I was just like listening to the Zoom call. Like, I, I can't believe it. Is Do they not understand what I'm saying? I think I'm speaking English. I'm saying nothing like this happened. Um, and I couldn't make any inroads. They just, and I, I literally started to imagine every other faculty member and I, I just couldn't imagine anyone else being treated that way. But Chua is willing to acknowledge that at least some of the negative perception of her is due simply to her personality. Now, you have regretted some things you've said in the past, I've read. Um, yeah, you know, my personality is very, um, you know, I like big parties and I'm very gregarious and I, I you know, um, I hate awkward silences and sometimes I jump in and say awkward things and I've definitely changed so much like I'm much more careful with my students I don't ask them I mean sometimes it's a shame like I wait for students to initiate I don't say anymore where are you from you know whereas a lot of students in the past (laughs) yeah I just don't do that anymore I'll wait for them to volunteer and uh, I don't offer anything personal about myself but to pin all the vitriol on Chua because she's an outspoken woman of color or just because she's a brash person, I think would be missing another important aspect, which is politics. We've already mentioned Chua's closeness with Brett Kavanaugh, and she also mentored J.D. Vance, author of Hillbilly Elegy, who's now running a rather Trumpian campaign for Senate in Ohio. So do people hate Chua because she skews conservative? 
Chua herself says that's impossible because actually she's not a conservative. Anybody who just reads my work and my book, that's 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 obviously <laughs> I'm not a conservative. I'm an independent. Um, I'm everybody can tell you that in my advanced contracts class, I always do a segment on critical race theory for for 20 years. I was maybe one of the only maybe the only contracts professor that always included a leg, um, a segment on critical race theory, but also on law and economics and libertarian approaches to contract. So I believe in a multidisciplinary approach. I'm a solid independent. Um, Nothing I've ever written is is conservative. Uh, I have mentored uh, far more extremely progressive students. Um, so it's strange to to highlight J.D. Vance. You know, Ronan Farah was my student, and I just have many, many students who my former students include Charlie Savage and Patrick Radin Keefe and Nabia Syed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're all they're just. And I would say it's I try to be an equal mentor to people of all backgrounds. And, you know, I kind of write against political tribalism and against identity politics. And I, I, it's true that I don't police myself in the way other people do. If, if I agree with something that somebody tweeted, I won't say, oh, I'm afraid to do this because of this person's politics. Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. I just don't, don't play the game that way. I think maybe that's another reason I, I get in trouble because I just don't tow any one line. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, my politics are definitely not conservative. So you're not a, a a Trump supporter? Oh my God! I mean, I'm an ind- I'm an independent. In reality, Chua is a law professor, a public intellectual, and a celebrity of sorts, who's also going through some very difficult times in her personal life. Her husband, fellow Yale law professor Jeb Rubenfeld, is fighting off sexual harassment allegations. So I had to ask her what all inquiring minds really want to know. Is she still with this guy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. We're okay. still a very, very close family. Oh, you are. Okay. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> uh, do you see yourself as a standby, standby my man kind of woman? I, I don't describe myself that way. I just... You know, I mean, all I can say is, you know, marriages are, uh, are, are, all marriages are difficult. And, um, and this is definitely a difficult, really difficult period for, for my family. But no, we're a very close family, all, all four of us. Well, I guess we don't really know what went on in that marriage or any marriage, really. And it's anybody's guess as to what really happened with Amy Chua and the powers that be at Yale. The one thing that seems certain is that everybody has an opinion about Shua, and those opinions run really strong. From my conversations with her former students and some of the emails I've received from them, I'd say that, you know, she's got a loyal fan base. A lot of them told me that they appreciate her honesty, which is sometimes very unfiltered and probably not all that PC. But when I talk to people at large, people who know her by reputation, my God, I would say she's really disliked, sometimes even hated. So what's next for Amy Chua? For now, Chua says she has no plans to leave Yale or the legal profession or disappear into the sunset. I think it's safe to say that for the foreseeable future, the Amy Chua saga shall continue. And that'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. 
It was produced by myself, Vivia Chen, along with David Schultz. Our editor is Jessica Coombs, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at BLaw. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. For our next season of Uncommon Law, we're looking at the regulatory future of big tech. The giants need to be broken up. Facebook, Google, all of them. Is big tech impinging on your right to free speech? They've had unchecked power to censor, restrict, edit, shape, hide, alter. Misinformation, disinformation. It's like a big Venn diagram. We do not want to become the arbiters of truth. We're calling this series Unchecked. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts.